Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson presents guest host Victoria Anderson. Victoria is an author and course creator. In addition to publishing several books, she hosts the Leap Into Your Story podcast for writers. Leap Into My Story, Part 1. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson. I'm your host, Daniel Jackson, me. And today we have Victoria Anderson on the show. Hi, Victoria. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure talking to you. You know that. We always usually end up talking for like an hour before, an hour after. <laughs> yes. All that stuff, we should just put it into the interview. But eh, it's, it's, a, it's usually about other stuff than we're talking about. So not everything we want to talk about in an interview. But uh, yeah. <laughs> today we're here to discuss you and your experiences with spirit and because you've written books, you've written three books, and uh, I'm sure, you're, are you writing something else new? Always, <laughs> always, yes. I have my fourth book. Actually, I have two books. One is another kind of memoir, one, again, about um, supernatural um, experiences, and one's actually going to be my uh, first fiction book, oh, which, again, will be based on some of my real-life paranormal experiences as well <laughs> man that's a lot of uh that's a lot of writing how do you find time to do all that writing well i'm just a very obsessive compulsive person <laughs> no way yeah and i if if multitasking were a gold medal or like an olympic sport i'd be a gold medalist multi gold medalist in that so you know i'm very big on mindset and when i set my mind to something it will be done so. and what, what does your husband do is he, does he just stand out of the way pretty much i mean he has a, a job that keeps him busy and and uh, really the cat's my biggest challenge to you know, <laughs> my yeah, biggest because, obstacle <laughs> yeah we've talked before and i've seen the cats show up in in the uh in the point of view of the camera and i'm like and you're like, oh, well, like, I'm like, ah, well, who cares, man? It's just, it's life, you know, that's the way it yep. is. Yep, yep. So, yeah, she's, she's runs the, the roost. And, you know, when I try to set myself down to write, sure enough, she'll come and sit on the keyboard or put a nice long three sentence E <laughs> all through my manuscript. So, yes. <laughs> Maybe that's, uh, we don't know. Maybe it's purpose. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe she's doing it on purpose to get your attention. Yeah, I think she's doing that on purpose. <laughs> They're like that. So They are like that. I know that. Well, I have nine of them. Had 10, I know. Had nine of them. And yeah, they are absolutely like that. They just want to try to get your attention all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had one that if I were on speakerphone, like, uh, she, she knew if she would knock the receiver off, it would interrupt the conversation. Oh, smart. Yeah. Yes. Figured she figured it out. out, out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, good for the cat, you know, not yes. so good for you, but good for the cat. <laughs> exactly. They're too darn smart, I say. <laughs> they are too darn smart sometimes. Yeah, I had a cat last night that uh, looked at me and went over to the food bowl, then came back and looked at me, then went over to the food bowl and came back, and I was like, is it empty? I walked over and said, oh, it is empty. And then she just kind of... Yep. Went under the bed and waited for me to come back with some food. So, okay. Yep. See, she's got you trained. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, just like my wife. She, they all have me trained. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm okay with it. Yeah, you you would think I would think ahead of time and know this stuff, but mm, no, I don't pay attention to it. <laughs> no, not at all. So tell us about your books and tell us. I know you have a lot of instances with the supernatural. So why did you feel that you needed to write that down and put that in a book format? You know, that's, um, it's kind of a, there's many roads that had kind of led me down that. I was, there was an uptick in these paranormal, supernatural spirit um, events that I just felt like I needed to journal them. So it all started with a journal. Now I hadn't planned to turn them into books, but I seemed to get confirmation like everywhere I turn that I needed to put them into book form. Yeah. They were telling but, you. Mm-hmm. So I would be having a conversation with say a coworker in line at, you know, during my lunch hour and there would be somebody in that line going, oh my gosh, I don't, didn't mean to overhear, but that's great. You should put it in a book. Or I'm talking to somebody about something strange that happened in the morning at the, you know, I'm in line at the grocery store talking to my friend and again, like the cashier would be like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Do do you have any more stories and put it in a book? So it almost seemed like everywhere I turn. I was getting this confirmation that I needed to put a book out there. And, you know, I wasn't interested in being a bestseller. I think my main goal was to maybe somebody needed to hear some of what I experienced. Because when you when you have these paranormal experiences, you have a lot of established beliefs that um, puts you in a kind of a conflicting spiritual, mental, emotional state. You know, maybe it's your imagination or you're making it up because you need attention. Or, you know, if you have religious beliefs, well, you're tapped into the devil. Um, so you have a lot of these negative, um, pretty pro- predominant belief systems that put a lot of pressure on you to just not talk about it. Sure. Or you, you, when they, when they happen, you, you have that moment where you're shaking your head gone. Did I just, yeah, what just, yeah, exactly. And a lot of times you question your own sanity Yes, because it's so way out there. I mean, that was one of my big struggles is, um, and of course these were happening pre-internet, but you know, I would go to lectures and seminars and support groups and, one of the things that I I came out of just out of those is I still felt very alienated because my experiences were so unique that even people in that mindset who would be open to hear it were just like they couldn't relate. They look at you like this. What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that <laughs> is the standard look. What happened? Yes. Huh? That is oh. <laughs> really. You weren't imagining it? No, weren't no, imagining that. No. And matter of fact, um, if that was imagining, it was pretty good because it happened a couple more times, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, why would it happen? Why, but why do you think it would keep happening over and over and over again, right? Right. And and generally, there's 
you know, some sort of message that you need to pay attention into whether, and it's usually, you know, for supernatural, a lot of times it's personal, yes. what I found out. So one of the reasons why I realized that other people couldn't, um, you know, share or get, get connected into what I was talking about, because it was left for me to decipher right. a message that nobody else would, because it's all based on my life right, and my path. So when I realized um, I just stopped searching for validation, I guess, sure, sure. that's when I got a little more serious about writing the book because I says, okay, I'm just going to write it to put it out there. I, it has family history. Um, it just has a, a, some of the just personal insights and struggles with family because um, a lot of times with drama, family drama, you shut down. So that's another thing that I wanted to bring out in my books is, you know, when you, of course, in my first book, I talk about how I shut down my abilities, which did not work out so good. No, I'm sure it wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, it did not work out so good. So really the, the first book and the second and third book is talking about me trying to recharge it right. because I needed it. That was a guiding system. And um, as crazy as it made me feel, that was really a big part of me that I shouldn't have wanted to abandon. Why do you think you wanted to abandon it? Did, did you just, was it because of the fear of what was going on? Well, it was just uh, after the Northridge earthquake. And of course, people, that's one of the common threads. A lot of times with um, certain abilities, they get triggered after a trauma. So for me, living through a really big, scary earthquake with the building almost falling on me. Sure. Um, now, it was kind of built. It was so that was like the the uh, flip switch to to be stuck on and high level. But the few years before that, it was starting to build. Something had triggered. And I think it was maybe my mom dealing with my mom's, um, you know, pending mortality. Right. So it's kind of started right when she was diagnosed with breast cancer um, in 92 and then 93. She was again for the other breast. And I think this was the first time where death really hit kind of close to home or the right. possibility of death. And by 1994, the earthquake was just the, you know, it was a smoldering little fuse and then bam um and then it got stuck on the on switch and from then on i lost all control of my own thoughts i couldn't sleep i was getting you know i had went from a little bit of clairvoyant little clairsentient clair audio to all three of them at once all the time so i was seeing images hearing images feeling things all hitting all my sensory all the time, 24, seven, 365 days a year, there was no rest. And I think what happened is the fatigue just, just, I couldn't, it was just breaking me down. I couldn't yeah. function. I couldn't have a job. <clears throat> I couldn't have relationships. 
Um, you know, I didn't want to even be around people because I didn't want all their information yeah. coming at me all the time. So I was, you know, kind of, I'd sneak out in the middle of the night to, you know, an, a 24 hour burger place or, you know, grocery store and just zoom in, get, you know, mainly cat food. <laughs> It's all about the kitties, no matter what. And a little snack for me and just try to keep myself away from people. Yeah. And, you know, bills had to be paid. Um, You know, people were starting to question what's wrong with me. Um, You know, I didn't want to talk about it because it was pointless. They didn't understand what I was going through. Yeah, they don't know, Mm -hmm. don't understand what, what they don't understand they are afraid of. Correct. And that was the other element, too. Um, now, I've had other family members that had a psychic ability as well, but nothing like I had experienced at all. So that was just, you know, a, a level that I, I, and again, there was no internet. You didn't have the luxury of searching something going, okay, there's other people out there. So you feel very alienated. And I mean, I remember one time I did finally reach uh, one of my neighbors who was very big into, um, you know, uh, new age stuff. And she dragged me out to a, I guess it was a talk with a Lakota chief. And he only came out like once every uh, like 15 years. So this was his, you know, <laughs> I think was his cir- second time out in public where he speaks at this lecture and she dragged me to it because she was concerned. And I was trying to hide because there was about 20 people in the circle and I was trying to hide. And I, again, just pushing myself out yeah. from the spotlight and being around people. Would you know that Lakota chief who, who, and when he said he not only does he not come out on, on but 15 years, doesn't normally speak. He picked me out of that 25 person room <laughs> and wanted to speak to me. And he can, and he, he it's like, that was the first time that I realized I can hide. I could try to hide. I can run, but I can't hide no, because yep. he honed into it. And he just said this. He pointed to me in this group of people and says, she's the one. I have no idea what that is, but apparently the rest of the people in the room and that was some sort of selected position in the prophetic area now my friend was hoping that was her by the way <laughs> she wasn't too happy about me being picked yeah it's however like, like when you win you a know. contest and your friend didn't win and they look at you like oh damn it yeah it wasn't yes it? i know it was them and not me yeah but you know i mean that's still even with that i'm like i didn't want that responsibility even with the validation from the lakota chief um going you're the one because i she had explained to me in the car what the circle was about this lakota chief would come out every 15 years and pick out the seers or the prophets that are carry the responsibility to 
you know, keep the prophetic visions and, and I don't want it. So. <laughs> well, I can understand that. And not, a, not everybody does because that's a lot to take on. Yes. Yes. And I, I was, you know, here I was 20, 20, 21. And that was a lot of responsibility for Life somebody is. young. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted to go to class, mm -hmm. get, you know, hang out with my friends. Right. You still wanted um, to be 21. Yeah, I want to be 21. I, I didn't want to be the responsibility of the prophetic keeper, you know, of the universe, one of the chosen people of, uh, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, I uh, Once in a while, I come across people who uh, who have these abilities as well, and uh, they bring them to me, and then I, I will go have a talk with them. And yeah, I talked with a girl one time, and all she wanted to do was just be 25. And I was like, well, yeah. that's what you want to do. That's up to you. Yeah. But. You know, exactly. They don't get they don't get this stuff away lightly, but okay. No. Yeah. No. But I mean, you you're you you go back to that alienation and why me? Right. You know, why me? Well, I don't feel any special. Yeah. Um the abilities are are helpful, they keep you safe, they navigate you to your I mean to to benefits quicker than say the average person who doesn't have them but there is a great responsibility yeah. and at that level i just didn't understand what my role is to yeah. you know carry on all because yeah. i mean here's here's the thing about it they, they weren't really positive images it would be great if i had more positive images you know one of the things i talk about in my book touched is that I foretold my mother's death. And I had, I had started to see the images a couple years before she died. And at the months leading up to her death, they started getting more and more intense. And, you know, I mean, there wasn't very seldom you get positive things at least in my experience, sometimes, you know, and I don't know if that's for warning people right. or preparing people. Right. Do you, as I was going to say, do you think that they were doing that just to prepare you to see how much you would actually would be capable of, 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 you know, being okay with it? Or is, is it, is it always in so much that uh, they are just trying to prepare you to let you just to see how far you will go with it? Maybe. Maybe because I, mm -hmm. I can tell you all the uh, premonitions, whether they be big scale, like, you know, the Northridge, because I prepared, I actually <laughs> had, prem I didn't know what, what the Northridge earthquake, I knew that there were sensations in my body that were not normal, that were happening like the day before, like intense cold. I mean, it was, even though it was winter time, it was actually pretty fairly warm at 80 degrees, wow. but I felt like I was in eight degrees Right. and, um, the intense sleepiness and then being actually, there was one point that I describe in my book being squeezed into a little tiny box. I mean, I felt all this pressure just from all ends, just squeezing me, almost suffocating me. And I don't know if that was just the energy of the fault line or, you know, that's just how my body was responding to the messages because I didn't get any 
you know, um, visuals on that. I just had this feeling and then all these weird sensations. And that was the first time that I had experienced that. So that was something new. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting that it was because of the, the, uh, just feeling it and, and your body responding to it, but they wanted to see if, if you could get used to that. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, that was the first time my body was like part of the sensory system. Um, usually, you know, there's visions or feelings or the audio. I'll hear, I'll hear somebody tell me something. This time my body was like the barometric pressure to something coming. And ever since then, I've tried to pay attention. I mean, those were really intense feelings. They, they were hard to miss. But sometimes if I, I notice that if I get a drop in my cold, like a cold and it's not cold, that's alerts me to something. Yeah. Or I'm being, I'm not sleepy and all of a sudden, boom, I can't even keep my eyes open and I feel like I'm going to fall out of my chair. So those are signs that kind of trigger me to start looking to go, I don't see anything, feel anything, you know, I'm obvious in the obvious, but it, it stops me. It hits my radar. And then I start looking for what should I be paying attention to? And I'm sure you're going to agree with this, but do you believe that they, they did that on purpose so, so that you would pick up on those tri triggers? I think so. I think so. Well, I'll tell you um, a couple hours before the actual earthquake hit, I turned off my heater because, you know, I had been so cold, but now it was blasting. And I think that probably helped save me, uh, or at least put me out of less danger because a lot of like gas lines broke yeah. um, in my apartment. Well, not my apartment, but across the street or across the, the uh, courtyard. And I had moved up my flashlight closer, which oddly completely disappeared. Like I never found my flashlight. I moved it closer to me. I think I actually put it under my pillow. That's what I did because it was on my nightstand and I put it on my under my pillow, went to bed. And about an hour later, because I had been so sleepy, I I was out to dinner. I couldn't even I got to the restaurant with my friend. And next thing I know, I was falling asleep in my I they served us our chips and salsa and boom, I was falling asleep <laughs> at the table. And I said, I got to go home. And my friend's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. But she actually gave me her sweats and we layered clothes on me. And she's like, maybe you're coming down with something. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like this. I had to get home and I could barely. And I was being squeezed, squeezed. And then I went to sleep. I woke up one hour before the earthquake, shut off the uh, wall heater that I had, the gas wall heater and moved the flashlight closer to me. Right. And then when the earthquake hit, I couldn't, I couldn't even find, first thing I went was for the flashlight under my pillow. <laughs> couldn't find, and I never found that flashlight. That's one of the weirder things yeah, weird. in that earthquake. It just like vanished. So, but I think that's all to prepare me. And also since that point, it's raised a new awareness on how I get information too. Sure. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause we all get new information, uh, 
it comes and goes, uh, but it comes to it comes in spurts sometimes, and yes. and it comes in uh, in ways that you know you're going to be able to pick up on it, and like these little signs, like these little triggers, absolutely. And it only needs to happen once or twice, and you go, "That's what it is, right there." So yes, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's pretty quick. You get that confirmation pretty quick. Sometimes it might take days, weeks, yeah. months, and going, "Oh, there it is." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can connect the two energy of the warning and the event. Hi, I'm Daniel Jackson of Spirit Medium Daniel. Are you unsure of the path your life is taking? Do you need spiritual advice? Come book a reading with me and I will put your mind at ease and your worries to rest. www.spiritmediumdaniel.com Crazy yes. stuff, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, you know, uh, they used to say, uh, God's, uh, God, uh, works in mysterious ways, but so does spirit. You know, they, uh, they have their way of, uh, of finding something that they know we will pick up on very quickly. Yes. And, and that's what I hope your listeners understand is if you have certain, um, experiences don't look for validation right just go because with because those may be exclusively unique that right. only yeah. you understand yeah yeah you'll when I, get. whenever i talk to people or they come to me and ask me questions about that other people who are experiencing this new medium type ship mm-hmm. uh, thing i always tell them that uh, you know what happens for me isn't going to happen necessarily for you it, you're going to get, you know, answers the way that works for you, not necessarily because they always ask, well, how does it work for you? What worked for me may not work for you. That's all because that's what I'm susceptible to. That's all. Right. Right. And okay. yeah, different, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. <laughs> I love that TV show, Different Strokes. It was awesome. Oh, I love I know. Those were all golden. I love all those shows. Very sad, though, for that, a lot of that cast, though. I know, right? Yeah, they didn't exactly uh, fare well, you know. It just goes to show you, you can make a lot of money in that business, and it doesn't mean anything. Right. And uh, with, you know, as I uh, worked with studios when we had our antique business in L.A., and uh, we had celebrity clientele, and a lot of them were not happy people. No. Yes, they were not. Some of them like me. I think they like my energy. They used to come in and I would treat them like regular folks. And they really like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. They need that. Well, they are regular folk, you know. They just they are regular folks. Yeah. Um, but the the truth about the whole Hollywood industry is you're owned. Yeah. And you don't have as much um money and fanfare you don't own your own life in that no. business no so and i think they like just the regular there there's a a feeling they want to be regular folk again yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely that's why a lot of them get out of it they they're in it for a little while and get it like gene hackman he was uh, yes. an actor forever and then all of a sudden he just quit because mm-hmm. he wanted to go back to being regular mhm yeah Yes. So, so tell me the story. You, you've told me the story before, but I want my listeners to hear it. So tell me the story of when you moved 
to New Mexico. But before you moved, uh, you were supposed to take a 12 hour trip and then it took forever <laughs> to get there. And then when you got there, uh, you knew the energy within the house was not exactly what you thought it was going to be. Exactly. Yes. My whole New Mexico move was pretty bizarre. Um, everything seemed to be, I mean, I wouldn't say everything, but it just there was already some warning signs to be prepared that I think I either just brushed them off or didn't pay attention, but the trip was very strange. There was, there was already an energy building up. I know the night before I went to clear out my PO box. And when I went back into the car, my, I heard the doors lock and I didn't have my hand on the keys. So when I went to go check the door, it had locked me in. And then it gets even more stranger. The car alarm starts going off crazy. Like, and I'm like, what is going on? Well, I happened to catch the glimpse in my rear view mirror. And there is my nephew laughing his ass off. Now he had died just a few months before. So I think he was showing me, look what I can do. <laughs> Now that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm deceased, but I can have some fun. So right. for those who think your, your deceased folks are not having a good time, just remember my nephew's story, having a good old time, screwing with his auntie. Okay. Yeah, they can do it. They can do it. <laughs> so then we take off and this is this this particular time new mexico had its worst snowstorm in a hundred years and we were trying to catch our window before the next big snowstorm came in sure. and everything seemed to be okay the weather report said that the storm had moved uh, north of us. And when we left, it was chilly, but crystal clear. We were confident we were going to do our 12 hours, no problem. But no sooner we hit Flagstaff, the storm, to everyone's surprise, including the weather service, decided to have a mind of its own and dropped right on top of us. So we were trapped in Flagstaff for the next seven days. <laughs> and then I had this weird, bizarre illness that seemed to, I don't know if it was stress, but personally, I think it was already this weird energy building. Um, do you think uh, the energy that was coming up on you like that, do you think that this is their way of telling you, we know that you're showing up? Yes. Because at the end of the seven days, we finally got, because how we got trapped between me being sick and we got trapped in that blizzard. So it was a full on blizzard in Flagstaff. So that's why we had to hunker down for that. And our 12 hour trip turned into a seven day nightmare, really. So <laughs> between the blizzard, me being sick and our poor animals being traumatized. That was the first time that they had to be away. We had five cats and three dogs. So 
that was quite a, and they were never had been away from it. And we had to house them in the Flagstaff uh, vet, and, vet office because they were the only ones who did the kennel. And we took up their entire facility Right. Wow. <laughs> and only they had to uh, even uh, utilize one of their um, exam rooms for all of our cats because they weren't they were only really prepared for dogs and not cats. So mm. they may do. Thank you. Thank you. Flagstaff. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. When we just moved across America here. Yeah, finding, I'm sure finding yes. a hotel that would take all of our pets yeah. was, was crazy. Yep. Yeah. And then they want to charge you like a hundred dollars per animal. too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We walked into one place and he said, uh, how many? I said, well, we have cats. Well, how many do you have? Uh, we have 10. No, 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 no. Ten, three. Okay. 10. <laughs> not okay. I was like, exactly. Okay. So we yeah. Them. Yeah. So I know I, we ran into that too. And especially since we hadn't really, I mean, I had done a brief search online for the ones that said cat pet friendly but when we actually showed up with pets they were like no 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 i see your website says you do yeah so but we managed Mm -hmm. we managed um so finally on the seventh day it's clear sunny i can feel like a relief of energy off me we're heading for new mexico and i see the new mexican sign where it says you are now entering new mexico Well, as soon as I crossed that particular sign, I had a very bizarre experience. And I write about this in The Mastering the Paradox, where all of a sudden, it's felt like my blood was now filled with like uh, effervescence, like soda, just coming through my veins. And I heard this chorus of voices just thousands of voices all synchronized saying we've been expecting you (laughs) wonderful right yes so i'm thinking all's good we're now on the right path and then we get to the house and my husband trusted me he never had seen the house so basically he says i trust your opinion and when he got there he was like oh my gosh this is better than (laughs) any pictures you brought back and we thought it was going to be just smooth sailing and we're good and I got the voices going we've been expecting you and then it goes nutsy the first day in the house I feel like something is watching me it just felt and it was concentrated in the master bedroom bathroom so that was something within uh, the next like 24 to 40 hours. I kept on it, it. It continued for a couple of years. But the second day in the house, I saw a spirit literally walk past me. <laughs> I was in the laundry room. So he came from the kitchen, walked right past me through the dryer and went into the wall. So did you say anything or did you just do one of these? That's it right there, Daniel. That is exactly. <laughs> That's what I, I do all the time. Like, wow. <laughs> That's what I do all the time. Yeah. I, just, I'm, I mean, he seemed harmless. And I thought, well, maybe he's the watcher. But then as we come in the house, there's a little more strangeness. I have doors um, trying to slam in my face. 
I'll walk by the kitchen cabinet and the cabinet comes and slaps me in the face. Um, you know, again, your your mind, what what you're seeing versus what you're experiencing, there's a disconnect. Right. So you're still trying to put some natural cause <laughs> into, you know, what's going on. What is it? It's still some explanation, right? Right. So, and that's what you should do. I mean, you shouldn't anticipate everything's dropped off. You know, like. Um, drafted up or uh, uh you know blamed on supernatural you should always look for a natural explanation so you don't always just to keep keep yourself in check and balance because if you start looking and imagining everything supernatural that may not be the case right but then there was <laughs> one yes then there is one experience that would put that all to rest where I realized that the door slamming, because you're thinking, well, maybe it's wind, you know, maybe the hinge on the door is going out, right? But there's one incident in particular that put that doubt to complete rest. So I was cooking dinner in the kitchen and just average day wasn't having any visions I didn't feel anything creepy I happened to be slicing up I think some carrots I put the knife down on the side of the board to scoop up the carrots to throw them in the pot but then that knife started to bounce okay it started to bounce all by itself again I'm not caring because whatever <laughs> Right. It's not a problem. If you want to play with my knife, go ahead. I don't really care. So, but in a few seconds, that would all change because it was going to do something that got me to care. So the knife continued to bounce. It bounced itself to the edge of the cutting board. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm moving on to some other thing now. I'm still watching it. And there it hit the, it bounced itself to the edge of the counter. It hit, bounced on the floor, landed itself on the floor. And I go, that's kind of interesting. It moved from the cutting board to the floor, but then 100% doubt moved. That stupid knife came up like an invisible hand was holding it and it nicked my ankle. Hmm. And then the knife just dropped again. I still didn't believe it <laughs> because again, you have that whatever cognitive dissidence that you can't reconcile it. It wasn't until the blood was dripping down my ankle that it got extremely real. Right. Yeah. And that's when I said, Oh no, <laughs> you don't. Yeah. So I grabbed some. Uh, lids because I had seen them um, an um some episode on Tibetan monks, like really the not the the ones that are usually exploited by the West, but never see civilizations. And they use symbols to keep their evil spirits away. Okay. So I used my lids on my pots and I went through the house cursing. <laughs> the blood stripping down my foot yeah I was gonna say, did, was, did, did you mm -hmm. tend to your foot yet or no you just let it go oh i let it bleed because yeah. i needed i needed evidence right 
Yeah. Because even though this had happened to me, I says, I'm going to deal with the problem. Then I'll deal with what that is. Because yeah. I says, again, your mind still struggles to understand what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I went, said my curse words, cursed them out with my 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 symbol, my right, my makeshift symbols. And then I tended to and it had a little it was probably about a quarter inch nick right under my ankle bone. Now, you, you think I mean. We struggle with these uh, these types of things that go on because we've been taught our entire lives not to believe in this type of stuff. Right. We, yeah, we've we've been taught that this stuff doesn't happen, can't happen. Uh, like, right. Like you said earlier, if you're uh, if you're talking to spirit or anything, you you must be talking to demons and devils right. and all that stuff. But uh, uh, it could absolutely be something else. But we're taught that uh, there is no other else. Right. Yeah. And also, too, I mean, <clears throat> I think um, one of the biggest shockers that that I've got out of it, I mean, one, I've always been told, you know, the spirit world can't hurt you. Spirit world can't hurt you. Well, now I have an experience right. that <laughs> contradicts that. And I think for the most part, they probably don't. Um, but I have, again, I have a unique experience that contradicts even certain venues in the acceptable mindset that would say, no, that couldn't have happened, but yeah. it did. Well, I mean, you know, they say, yeah, the spirit world can't hurt you, but so like in the physical world, anyone could hurt you if they wanted to. There's, there's right. what, 7 billion people. There's somebody out there who's wants to either hurt you or. Right has those types of thoughts. So why wouldn't a spirit have that as well too? If, if it's, if it's a, if it's a, a spirit of someone who was a horrible person and didn't cross over and stayed here, right? they're still staying horrible. So, and they just, Hey, here's somebody I can pick on. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll try this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think they understand now that they picked on the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I agree, I agree with that statement. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, here's the thing. I'm the I we bought this house in the big major upswing of the market before the bubble burst. Right. And these people had the house sold. They were 30,000 below. Wow. The market. And I honestly think and it had been on the house five days. I mean, that type of market was nutsy. They were, you know, just as big in the 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 bidding frenzy why this house stayed on the market five days and nobody at 30,000 below but I walk in I'm like oh this is the perfect I mean it was it was if it, we were planning to remodel our LA house with this design so we imagine our surprise <laughs> we walk in and it has the skylights it has the office out right off the door i has the big backyard because we were thinking about um, actually bringing my father, my elderly father to live in. Uh, so it had a big, it's over a third of an acre. Wow. We were going to, you know, we were going to bring his dogs, our dogs, right. It was going to uh, fill up this house with, you know, <laughs> with the uh, animals. With everyone. Yes. With everyone It had guest room, enough of guest rooms. And 
Yeah, that's something our little nine hundred square foot uh, L.A. ranch house with uh, you know <laughs> a thirteenth of an acre. I mean, we had a built-in pool that took up most of uh, that point point one three acre that we lived in, wow. mainly concrete. So, uh, yeah, this was kind of our dream house. It had views of the mountains, views of the volcanoes. Um, a lot of land for to to accommodate our our family our you know our needs and my dad's needs for his dogs but um it was weird that it just seemed that it worked out and i have a feeling that uh if this house was meant for me i mean it just it just felt that way but i do suspect that the family who lived in here was forced out by what was attacking me because absolutely yes <laughs> i suspected that i'm glad mm. you confirmed that <laughs> the family so the i had met the wife and a year after we had been in this house she came back with the boys. Now, her husband was an engineer. He was lecturing at the University of New Mexico. So while I was out um, running some errands, she showed up and with the boys. And she wanted to see the house, not check on us. She wanted to visit the house. But the conversation she had with my husband yeah. wanted to see she asked a little bit, like, how are you guys doing in the house, yeah. right? In is the it, house. Is it still going so, on? Yeah. Right. So I happened to catch her before she left. And we had this conversation um, in the backyard, which was kind of interesting because she had told the sellers that after nine years of living in here that they had to leave. They were heartbroken, but they had a, a mother-in-law or mother who was terminally ill and they had to go tend to her. And that's why they had to leave. So my thing being that I'm tend to be empathic and want to be sympathetic. First thing I said was, oh my gosh, how's your mother? Was it your mother, your mother-in-law? And she was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I says, didn't you have to leave because of the, uh, you know, the terminal cancer? And that's why... And all of a sudden you get one of these, oh. Oh, yeah, oh, the light the light oh, just went on. Yeah. yeah, oh, oh, yeah, she's fine. <laughs> and that was my radar to go, hmm. hmm. Yeah, it wasn't because of this family member. Yeah, I tell people all the time, the more you lie, the more, the more uh, you have to remember. And my memory sucks. So, yeah, you got to try to figure out. Oh, did I tell a story about that? Oh, yeah. Mm, no. Well, you know what's crazy is in New Mexico, mm. you may actually get a little bit more for a haunted house. <laughs> if she would have presented me, well, you know, we're leaving because the place is kind of woo. Um, that wouldn't have been a deal breaker for me. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, here, me either, but maybe 10 years ago, probably, but yeah. There's actually, well, you, as you know, I do real estate too on the side, part time. And there's actually a search in the real estate database for haunted houses. So people are actually looking for them. Yes. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. I mean, if you don't so, want to go to an amusement park and you'd rather just stay in your own home and get some. Yeah. Sure. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, ours was a bit of a haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the scary haunted house. But um, it did all change when you, you, you can't be them. you can't mm-hmm. be picky, Victoria. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it was like the house of horrors there for yeah. a while. But that's okay because again, they decided to pick on the wrong um, occupants, and one of those fine little boogers tried to pull the cabinet swinging open and smacking my husband in the face because he had heard these stories right he had never and he thought frankly he's like maybe you should go talk to somebody maybe you need need to take a pill babe exactly so i'm not gonna lie about that he was like i don't i think you might need some therapy or something because i'm not experiencing what you are until that one little fateful day when that little that and it's always that one cabinet for some reason it's this one particular cabinet door and he went for his coffee cup and sure enough, you know, so cracked him one. Yeah. And he went through the house, by the way, no, no, um, pot lids like I did. <laughs> right. It just took his ranting, um, mouth. And then all of a sudden it got very quiet. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, same way with me in the very beginning when I was first finding out about this, about me. Uh, I had all this stuff happen to me, and my wife came home from her vacation, and she told me about her adventures, and I told her about all my crazy adventures. And she, she thought the same thing. Maybe I was, you know, I was diabetic. I'm diabetic, so maybe it was my medication. It was some type right. of diabetic psychosis or whatever. But uh, three days after that, uh, she started experiencing the same stuff, and she was like, oh, maybe there is something to this. So okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's like with anything people you can see somebody walking down the street and they could be limping or something and you look at them and you go eh. and 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 oh you in pain well yeah i'm all screwed up eh, i think you're faking people don't realize anything mm-hmm. until it happens to them exactly no pain anything any 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 of these types of situations when it happens to them then they go oh and then a light comes on but they never think otherwise yes yes well since i've Put, I guess I'll, I, I've actually, for the last 20 some years, I've kind of kept that on a down low. Very few people knew about my abilities because of that. But when I mainly, not so much the first book, because the first book has the, the buddings of that. And I mainly talk about the premonitions of, you know, like the Northridge earthquake, the TWA crash. Um, another plane crash that happened in Queens. I saw that very vividly. I actually, uh, was able to see the number on the aircraft like the, and that turned out what in my dream, it was the tail number, but actually it turned out to be the flight number. Um, and yeah. what do you, and you have to say to yourself, what can I do with this information? I mean, exactly. You can't just call up an airline and say, Hey, your, your plane's going to crash. Cause then they're going to go. Oh, exactly. Matter of fact, when I was in (laughs) Italy, I saw the TWA 800 crash. And I don't know if everybody's familiar about some of the controversy saying that, you know, they saw a missile take that plane down. I saw a missile take that plane down uh, four weeks before that plane crashed. And it was somebody from our government 
with a rocket launcher on one of those islands off of Martha's Vineyards, take it down. And that shook me. I, that was the first time where, you know, I didn't really know what I saw because I kept going, why is one of our people shooting down an airline with a, a freaking rocket launcher? You know, what the hell is that about? And I remember waking up, it was around three o'clock in the morning, Italy time. But the intensity of that dream, I was hyperventilating because that was the first time where I really felt like I need to tell somebody about that. But I'm in Italy. I don't know who the heck am I going to call? Right. Um, you know, I think I called my dad and he's like, I don't know if you feel you that you got to go call somebody. I'm like, but I'm in Italy. Who the heck, you know, what is my credibility? And again, you, you have to think about you, what do you do with this information? And then again, what are the repercussions of, gee, how do you know this information ahead of time? So you're kind of conflicted, something like that, you know, especially uh, airline uh, premonitions. Yeah. You, you go from trying to come from a place of, I want to prepare, I want to help people, I want to warn people, to, I could be a suspect. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and I, I think a lot of forensic psychics have gone through that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, you have, I, you know. Mm -hmm. I, did, I did a show where uh, somebody asked me, somebody called in and asked me about that. And they said, but some girl who went missing, do you do that? I said, no, I don't do that. Well, why not? Because if you get anything a little bit out of whack or anything, then they're coming to you. And then you're the one who's on under the, uh, under the, the, uh, the spotlight then and yes. they have the microscope on top of you. And I said, I just, I don't want, I know these things. And he said, well, you know, that's, that's, that's horrible that you, I said, well, it doesn't make a difference. If I solve this one, it's going to happen again. Well, maybe if you do solve one, maybe that'll keep from somebody. I said, no, that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. People are still going to continue to murder people. And somebody did. Another person went missing like two weeks later. And I, and then he came right. and said, yeah, you're right. I said, yeah, I know. Because, but why, why do you want to put yourself in the middle of that? Me, that's, that's, I can help people in other ways, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the, I guess, frustrations is, yeah. You know, what do you do with this information? I think one of my weirdest um, premonitions there where I saw, actually, I had um, the premonition for Ennis Cosby. I had seen his, I had seen the scene before he was murdered through the eyes of the killer. Right. I mean, it was kind of like, I felt like I was in the eyes of Laura Mars. You know, you're now through the point of view of the killer. Yeah, and I saw the car break down. Yeah. Yeah. I saw his girlfriend with the, or whoever she was, I don't, never really established with the fur coat. Um, both him, Ennis Cosby and the gal that he was with, both knew the guy because they were very friendly. And I can see myself going through the eyes of the killer yeah, isn't that crazy i have that a lot too um mm -hmm. i guess i don't know if that's called remote viewing or whatever it is but yeah my consciousness i know it's in the like i sometimes have messages come through or or that comes through 
I'm sitting on the couch somewhere in somebody's house watching TV. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then I see the person get up and, and I'm like, why? I, okay. So, so I'm asking them, is my consciousness in his eyes and I'm seeing all this and I get yes answers. And I'm like, why right. am I sitting on someone's couch watching TV, <laughs> watching cartoons, let alone TV, you know, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the more bizarrest premonitions to actually sure. see it through the eyes. And, and I was, t- again, my, my small circle and I says, Ennis Cosby's killer is somebody he knows. They know because the, I'll tell you most, most crimes in LA they don't just randomly happen. There's some sort of connection. Yeah. That's just a fact. But the fact, but the. Stay tuned for part two of Leap Into My Story. To reach Victoria, please visit her website at www.leapintoyourstory.com. Thanks for watching, and we will see you next time on Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson.